As vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs, we're often adapting to a new reality. This new podcast series from Vegan Mainstream is an opportunity to help you when it's time to pivot. These interviews will come from inside and outside of our community, and I hope as your host, Stephanie Red Cross West, I can inspire you and give you the tools that you need to move forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to our next interview. I'm excited about today's guest because we're going to talk about the journey. We're going to talk about how the market kind of speaks to you as you're building a business, creating a business, and even as many of us have been challenged in this last year or so, you know, how do we mold shape our businesses to make sure we can better service our customers, better service our market. And also as vegans, many of us, as we want to help people and help people transition and even kind of move to this plant-based diet, the idea is how do we build businesses to make that happen? How do we find our way? How do we find the right solution? And today we're not necessarily subscribing to the idea that this is the solution for everyone today. What we really want to do is take maybe a walk through Andrew's shoes. We want to talk a little bit about what Andrew's experience has been as he shaped his career, but also as he shaped his business. We're going to talk about kind of where everything started, but also we're going to talk about where he is today, especially when we talk about Vegan Health Pack, the idea of offering people really solutions to help them be heart healthy. And we're also going to talk about kind of the future, where we see Andrew Alexander going in the future, not just in Vegan Health Pack, but even some projects, maybe super secret. We'll see how many things we can talk about today, but it'd be great to kind of talk about not only the journey, but where you see yourself going and hopefully an opportunity to inspire some of our guests today. So Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So let's get everyone grounded. Before we dive into where you are today and kind of how you got there, let's give them a little bit of a glimpse into where you started, where you kind of, after getting out of school, you know, what did you do first and how did you kind of navigate the path of your career, jobs, opportunity, and so forth? Definitely. I think the main story we talked about before going air is like, everything changes. So getting ready to pivot and go with things. So I graduated university in 2009. I wanted to study to work in law enforcement and a career kind of like in that. So I studied political science. I got a master's degree. Then right after that, I read a book on entrepreneurship because I couldn't get a job where I was. It's the middle of a recession. And I decided I want a new type of life. So my journey really started with Vegan Health Pack um, many years before. So I Drove 2,000 miles across the country from North Carolina to Scottsdale, Arizona to have lunch with an internet millionaire. So for the first part, I was building a typical internet business. It was an app company, a digital magazine app. So a dog's best friend magazine. Mm -hmm. And I built it. I experienced the passive income lifestyle where I traveled across the country, backpacked through Europe. But it was in 2017 is when I went vegan. So I realized even though I experienced my personal goals, something was missing. And I wanted to do something more for the planet, whether it's environmental impact, human health. And then veganism just kind of came into my life. So 2018, I met a man named Mark Perlmutter. He's the founder and CEO of Veg Ready. Mm -hmm. So I met him in Boulder, Colorado. And six months after meeting him, I was like, hey, do you have any 
opportunities where I can do my marketing work, get started in the vegan world. And he said, I'm starting a vegan startup accelerator in Lima, Peru. So he flew to South America, started up things there. And he said, if you want to come join the team, be the like the number two at the company, then fly on down. So I was like, why not? So yeah. um, we got a one-way ticket from the US to South America. Mm-hmm. And I spent about 18 months in South America in a place called Wisdom House, which is a vegan startup accelerator where they have the office in the front, a yoga studio, a natural garden in the back. The owners of the house, Ken and Allison, they have like natural cooking, plant-based, they're all about community lifestyle. So while we're myself and eventually five other people are doing marketing work for VegReady in the front office, it's like a whole community house. So I did that for 18 months, then met my girlfriend in South America. We eventually flew to Sydney, Australia, where we are now. And this is... I guess right before COVID locked down the borders in March, I flew here. Okay. And in September, um, I guess VegReady is going through some changes, launching some big, exciting things, which well, I can't talk about. But if you did another interview with Mark, I'm sure he would. Yes. And I, at the same time, I was vegan for close to two and a half years. And I realized that I was vegan for the animals, doing my part for the environment, but I got diagnosed with high cholesterol, high triglycerides, um, and the doctor prescribed medication. Mm. So... That was the moment where I paid the paid more attention where so many people are vegan for great reasons such as animals and environment, but we might be eating Beyond Burgers every day. We might be eating junk food every day, potato chips. I think Oreos are vegan, vegan ice cream, and it doesn't really impact our human health. So there's vegan, whole food, plant-based. So the original idea for Vegan Health Pack, which is the business, I found artichoke leaf extract from Peru is clinically studied to reduce cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to create a little subscription box with all natural sources of B12, iron, zinc, omega-3, protein, um, things like that. And I started putting things out into the marketplace, different advertisements, writing articles, and realizing that's not really vegans that were interested in the natural, I guess, solutions to heart health, gut health, brain health. So that's going in one direction for a plant health pack, which is a different story. Mm-hmm. But I realized when I started my YouTube channel, when I start, said... How about I film a documentary called Creating a Vegan World? Mm-hmm. That's where I made a post in the Sydney Vegan Group. And not millions of people, but in that little community, it went viral. People were messaging me saying, I want to be interviewed. I want to help. So the whole story is kind of like things change, put things out there quickly and listen to market feedback. So we talked about that a little bit before, but if you have more questions, uh turns it over to you. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Now, you gave us a ton of great kind of you know, background on everything that you're doing. So maybe I'm going to start a little bit in reverse and then hint at some of the other things. So let's talk about what it's been like for the last year. Let's talk about how you have been trying, testing new things, getting things out in the market. Because I think for a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or planning to be entrepreneurs, or even some people who have tipped their toes in, but the last year has just been hard They've struggled with the idea of putting out an idea, putting out a concept, being comfortable with, you know, that feedback that you get from clients that can help you shape your business. But sometimes, you know, we're not emotionally ready for it. Do you want to kind of talk through how you manage that? And then maybe an advice for anyone out there who is going through that process as well? Definitely. So as I mentioned before, my first business was 2013, 2014. And in that position, I was terrified to put things out there. The fear of failure, ridicule, judgment, and like mm-hmm. something about if my ideas don't work. So one of my mentors at the point said at that point was, there's no failure, only feedback. So yes. if at the end of the tunnel, you have your, your final vision, your end goal, there's a whole journey to get there. And most people are stuck from like the first steps. 
because they fear that initial failure. So the way I view it is I keep my eye on the prize and then mm-hmm. it's put things out there, listen to the market and see what sticks. So kind of going back over the past year, like you said, when I started putting things out, it's not growing right away because I'm in Australia and the fulfillment is, or my, my parents' house, I'm starting a new business, is in North Carolina and trying to manage inventory from across the world. Plus it's in COVID and there's all different scenarios with that in general. Mm-hmm. So um, what I learned from my past experience is even if you're on a bootstrap, like a shoestring budget, just to find free ways to get yourself out there. So often write blog articles on other people's websites, write about what you're doing, put up social media posts. And just try different things to see one one thing sticks. So for the YouTube videos, the Creating the Vegan World series, turning to a documentary, after many months of articles and trying all these different things, that's the thing that finally stuck. And I don't think I would have reached that point until I actually tried a whole bunch of different things. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the key mm-hmm. is it's so important to try to test. Um, I talk a lot about this um, when I do sessions where I think people <clears throat> think that you're just trying to perfect a marketing strategy. You're trying to like create this like perfect campaign and then launch it. And you know, you'll get all this traffic and they almost basically shut down your website. And while that's a great story to have, the reality is, is that often the best marketing approaches, the best business models, the best way of being customer focused is literally doing it kind of one step at a time. It's making changes, tweaks, and so forth along the way. So it's really good to hear that you've done that, you've tested, and also you've maneuvered and pivoted around everything you have going on. Because being in Australia and then running the business out of the US, I mean, that's a lot to juggle, especially in any environment, especially what's going on right now in the world. Absolutely. And like touching on the thing I said before and you just commented is like the ability to like maneuver through the environment. Because before the show, we're if like I had my original idea, the one thing I wanted to do and try to force that into the marketplace, it's like trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole, so to say, where it's more of like, listen what comes in your way and listen to the feedback and just being willing to adjust the path. Remember um, when I was going vegan, I went to this uh, potluck dinner every Saturday night in Boulder, Colorado. And mm-hmm. one of the leaders from one of the animal rights movements, he came and he said, like, well, your vision of the future is the same and will remain unchanged. The tactics, the strategies and the pathway to get there will always change. I might have misquoted him, but like that sticks with me because like in the past, it's like my idea. I think this is the best. And from my original idea, it's like I want people to avoid nutrient deficiency with like the, the health pack. Mm-hmm. But as I see more posts on Facebook, people are saying, I got diagnosed with high cholesterol. I have, I have no clue what to eat. I have all these different things. Like that's where the pain point is. And if I was yes. kind of like stubborn my own way, then I think we said before the call, like if I try too hard, then the business won't last long. So it's better to listen. Yeah. And I think that's the key is it's so important to focus on that longevity in your business, to really think about the sustainability of your business. I think sometimes, you know, we think of like the right now, the campaign or the article we read about someone's like crazy success. And we think if only we can manufacture that as fast as possible, that often it takes a little bit of time. And sometimes I even say like, I have this thing about the patience that marketing requires, <laughs> that mm-hmm. often you really have to give your business, your products, your services, space and time to to get where they, they need to go. So I'm, I'm glad we're, we're covering that topic and, and talking about it. So let's talk about 
your project and YouTube and everything. How did you get comfortable with YouTube? The reason I bring that up is most people are terrified of doing a lot of videos, number one. Number two, I feel like YouTube is a little bit of its own world to navigate. We tend to put it in with other social media platforms, but in my opinion, it really operates very different than other social media platforms because it's really backed by Google and search. So it's a different feel. So I'm just curious, how did you navigate YouTube? What have you learned and what maybe kind of turned, you know, the tides for you when you were looking at that as one of your marketing channels? Definitely. So to combine like what you just said here and before that, as far as like everyone expects that viral success where um, I know one YouTube channel, he put out like two videos, really great edited content. And he's up to like 750,000 subscribers where that's what people see. That's what they expect. But in like maybe 2% of the cases, that's true. But if you expect that for you, the real thing is like, it's, it's kind of like this and then the X going off screen. So like the exponential growth, like years in the future. So most of the friends who have successful YouTube channels, they've dedicated to put out content for free, not monetizing it for at least one year before they expect anything. So during my digital nomad travels, I coached a lot of first time entrepreneurs with that kind of that wrong accept expectation. We're like, mm-hmm. I need money to pay rent within three months. What can I do to make money now? It's, it's kind of setting yourself up for failure with so back to with my channel, the YouTube, where I'm expecting not to make money from it. If it turns into a documentary I produce that goes on Netflix and gets seen by millions, that's great. But it's really the process and putting it out there and just enjoying the process that makes it easier. So to get comfortable going on YouTube, my first YouTube channel was a personal one in the personal development space. Okay. Where I was living in 2015, after I built my first business, I moved back to Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I remember riding my bike down the canal in the middle of the desert, like right on the edge of the Indian reservation. I set up a tripod, the camera, put the microphone, and I was trying to talk about personal development topics. And if I saw somebody riding their bike like a mile away coming in my direction, I would freeze up, I would get nervous, and I just mm-hmm. kind of stand there looking awkwardly until they pass by. So, and that's not even the worst part. When I got the footage home and I was editing myself, listening to my voice and seeing myself mm-hmm. on camera, mm-hmm. it was. It was not fun. It was not experience. It was really uncomfortable. So like that part in itself is the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. So with that channel, I put out probably 150 YouTube videos and I didn't have the marketing wits at that point. So like they didn't really take off maybe a couple hundred videos. And maybe in that instance, it was a failure, but it prepared me to be uncomfortable talking on camera right now. I used to be very, very shy on things like that. So on, it was about... Two months into that process, I went to Sedona, Arizona. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to Devil's Bridge. It's like the natural bridge. I was there with two friends recording. I don't want to mm-hmm. say it was, but as I said something completely embarrassing. It just slipped out of my mouth with 30 people in front of me. Everybody turned. Some people laughed a little bit. And I faced my worst fear. <laughs> and somehow, like once I hit that rock bottom or I faced the worst fear, it's not as bad as I thought. Yes. So just... Um, like I said, it's my first live interview, but I've done many like record interviews before. It's just a matter of like, do it so many times until you get comfortable. If you want to record yourself, maybe just do it 20 times. Nobody has to see it. If you want yes. to do a Zoom interview, record and start like an interview series, like nobody has to see it. But at the mm-hmm. same time, getting out there where people don't judge you as much as you judge yourself. So um, there's getting on camera, getting comfortable, that side of things. And then of course, there's the marketing side of things where I mentioned my first yes. YouTube channel since 2015. 150 videos, lots of my time. It's maybe up to 350 subscribers. And 
most recent videos have like 14 views where in my in the business sense, you don't want to dedicate a lot of time doing something if it doesn't pay off with your mission, whether it's a nonprofit mission or business. So I have friends who know like keyword research. So instead mm-hmm. of talking about the ideas I want, I research what people are already searching for. And then I kind of have the general idea of the videos around that. And then I title it a certain way. I put a certain description, the timestamps based on the Google keyword planner. Um, I start typing in YouTube, like say, and then I mold it around there. And I interview people who already have followings, probably similar to what you do. It's like their audience kind of builds the momentum. And out of maybe the 20 interviews I've done so far, I interviewed Dr. Codwell Esselstein for my documentary. And I must have got the keyword thing right because I see like, oh, 200 video views in the last 48 hours. The next one, I got another 100 views. And like, that's the whole, like I started the channel, it's like this, but eventually something starts picking up and the expectation to focus on enjoying the process, that helps a lot. I started talking a lot, so I'll, I'll turn it back to you. No, I think that's great. I, I really love how you ended it because you talked about that expectation. I think a lot of times the expectation is what really gets us in trouble. And also I think that expectation is where we start to have these very extreme definitions of failure and success. Um, and I think sometimes we have to remember that you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy a piece of the process. Yes, there's work that has to be done. There's editing, there's setting things up. You know, there's a little bit of that tactical stuff, but finding kind of your voice, finding content and information you want to write about, I think is so important. And then, like you said, you're doing these videos, you're getting kind of comfortable with creating the content, doing it on a consistent basis you know, and so forth. And then when an opportunity arise, arises, you can really seize that opportunity or the channel can do more because especially in the case of like YouTube and Google, they've seen that you've continuously posted for a while. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that because I think from a marketing standpoint, I have this discussion with people a lot that yes, it's great to go viral. Yes, it's great to get those big pops. But sometimes if you're a channel, if you're a product, if your business isn't ready for those big pops, sometimes you're not able to ride it like a wave. Instead, you feel like a rubber band. You almost feel like you're going to pop or the process feels like uh, it's so much. And then you either have a hard time repeating that performance or you weren't able to use that as a way to get to the next stage. I don't know what your thoughts are, especially as a fellow marketer. Definitely. So um, many things I can say about that. Um, (laughs) As far as like the rubber band, the stretch, like, Say, example, the consistency, like putting the professionals in the YouTube videos, like thumbnails, doing the research and being consistent. Like I eventually see it growing eventually exponentially. But on the product side of things, if I'm selling, say, the vegan health packs or the plant-based health packs, as they call them now, like there's that side of the business. So let's say one of my videos goes viral. People go to my website and hundreds of orders come in. Mm -hmm. I'm still break-even or slight loss because that's paid $23 for shipping. So on the business side of things, like if I focus my attention back on the product because my marketing takes off, I'd have to get the weight down, the packaging and all these different things. And like it wouldn't be ready to handle that, like you said. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot going on there. But um, as far as like consistency and like getting ready to go viral, like that's what I like about digital media. Where in that instance, I could just turn off the shopping cart on my website and say like, place the pre-order or get ready, we're coming soon. Build up the email list. And one of the benefits with my first business, which was a digital mat, the magazine app company, I quickly scaled to eighty thousand downloads per month. So I found the dog magazine section, and I got two thousand downloads the first day. And with the digital content, I just said. 
this is working. I'll put out a golf magazine, a fitness magazine. And then it just went up from there. And there's so much technology to put in place to be able to scale so quickly. So um, one thing I want to talk about with the... like YouTube is one thing in itself. Yes. Where in some instances, like it works. We want to scale it up. But it's just one smaller piece of the puzzle. Because I was looking at one... Um, it's one of those, like, sque- the, those shady sales pages. Yes. Like, I knew you were going to call it a squeeze yeah. page. It's okay. Yeah, the squeeze page. <laughs> so um, I stole one of things. Like, they made it seem like if I have the right YouTube thumbnail, that's the secret to the million-dollar business. And like, buy this, get the right thumbnails, and you'll be one of those huge, big brands where... I see through that right now, but at the same instance, if I focus just on YouTube, then it takes away from all these other opportunities. And sometimes I get so focused on one thing where I don't see the bigger picture. And the bigger lesson I'm learning now is building teams, systems, and especially leveraging technology. There's one website I'm using or starting to use now where I could turn one YouTube video into 38 pieces of content. Where if I did that manually, it's like three snip or five snippets for LinkedIn, for Instagram, for Facebook. Um, turn to a blog post, etc. If I did that myself, it would take three days per video where yes. the software I use, like you upload the YouTube video, choose the timestamps and schedule it out. So you have a week of content. You could do it in a couple hours or hire a virtual assistant. So that's another part of like when things scale, just have systems, technology in place first and people to help support you. Yeah. And I'm so glad we covered that point because um, <laughs> it's so important that everyone figures out how to get that leverage. We spend a lot of time creating a lot of marketing content. We spend a lot of time creating content sometimes for one channel or one purpose. And if we don't take that step back and look at the bigger picture, we can forget that all that work that you put into one piece of content can help you in other channels and sometimes even other formats. I mean, that's one thing that we even learned when we started doing these live sessions. We take a lot of them and turn them into podcasts. And for a lot of people, they just prefer to listen to it. They prefer to kind of hear it in their ears. And therefore, it's not a lot of work for us to take the audio from something like this and turn it into a podcast. Um, but we just now had to build the systems so that we could do it easily. So it didn't take, you know, 10 man hours <laughs> or woman hours to make it mm-hmm. happen. Instead, we had to build the systems around it. So I agree. Um, it's great. And plus, we might have to swap some tools because I'm really curious mm-hmm. what tool you're using for your slicing um, of your videos because that's one thing that we've been um, playing around with a couple of different options. Um, I do I'll say it right here I in case it helps other people. Like, and listen to this, so it's re- I just started using it. So it's one of my okay. first ones. It's called repurpose.io. So I believe there's the podcaster subscription and then like the mm-hmm. YouTube creator subscription is $25 a month. Yep. And um, I'm sure with you, like you didn't learn everything yourself. And that's another key point with this. Like I have a friend who's really great at marketing. I'm helping him with his business and it's having the right mentors in place and going to the people who know these things already. Cause everything I talked about could be overwhelming. If it mm-hmm. wasn't having the right people in my life and the right mentors and even a mastermind group I started to keep each other accountable. Like that's another key part of it. But uh, yeah, repurpose.io is the one I started to use and I love it so far. Nice. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I was on, That one's on our radar. So it's really good, good to hear that. And thanks for sharing it with everyone out there. I think they're going to be really excited about um, checking it out. But I love that you talked about mentors as well and having people around you that can support you on your mission that can help you when you get overwhelmed um, and even talk to you when you just need to vent. Like I have this thing where I tell a lot of people, you know, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as solopreneurs, you know, sometimes you just have bad days or bad weeks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just need someone who you can talk to and they get what you're talking about. And they understand that you just have to get it out. 
And then they can help you kind of rechannel that energy into your next project, your next task, or even sometimes ground you in the fact that, you know, that might have happened that one time, but that might be the anomaly that may not be the trend. So mm-hmm. um, I really think it's so important that um, that people see that. Now, so you said you created your own mastermind group. Um, yeah. You know, are you doing more and more of that, creating groups, supporting people still, or is that something you just kind of did before? So back in 2014 was my first business. I It took off because I had the mastermind group. I met three other guys mm-hmm. at a conference who were starting their own businesses. We eventually moved into an apartment together in Scottsdale, Arizona. We removed the televisions, the couches. We had whiteboards, computers. Everything was structured for business. We had weekly accountability goals where we said, if wow, we don't finish impressive. this task by Sunday of the end of the week, I pay you $100. The way Ooh. that works psychologically is like back to the fear of failure is we respond to immediate pe- pleasure and immediate pain. So when my friend had to call 100 suppliers to manufacture his uh, pet products, mm-hmm. it was painful hearing no. But once we put the $100 to the mix, it was more painful not to do it. So he forced through it. So... um what I'm doing right now is I view it in two different things. There's the mentors. So like, let's say Ethan, the CEO beyond me, like if he mentors you, it's like he's mm-hmm. someone above our level where like we listen to him. It's a different yes. dynamic. Then there's mm-hmm. the mastermind group, other people at our level. So um, I started reaching out to people on Instagram to try to promote my business. Then I just clicked with one of them. She started a vegan t-shirt um, company. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, let's let's get on the phone. Let's maybe do a mastermind group. And then my friend Derek and someone else um, who I did marketing work in the past, he joined the group. So there's four of us right now. And pretty much yes. the same concept. Every week, we jump on a half-hour call, talk about like what are we struggling with? How can we help each other out? Then we have the Slack chat um, for in between the week if things come up. Mm-hmm. So it's that constant thing to keep us accountable. So the mentors are one thing, but the mastermind group, it's small group of three, four, maybe five people who are in your position to, it's kind of like you said, bounce ideas off each other and just like vent when you need to. And then one more thing, um, ideas are coming up as we speak. I love it. So <laughs> the first business was a, the solopreneur type thing where I did everything myself. Mm-hmm. I know a lot, of, a lot of business owners who may be struggling to get their first business off the ground, um, either joining a startup for equity or partnering with someone else. And when I had the experience of like working with the team at VegReady, it's myself, mm-hmm. the CEO comes from the finance background. I have the online like systems, email marketing, website background. Um, other people, they specialize in social media. Other people specialize in email. So like by dynamic of bringing more people together, whether it's you join a team, you bring more people in or a mastermind, like something about including more people, it benefits every business versus when I did the solopreneur type of thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really nice when you can build um, support systems around you, um, whether they're within your team or um, like you said, the uh, mastermind group you built is so important and so vital to success and also vital to sanity. I mean, I really feel like it can be hard out there running a business, getting that constructive feedback from your audience, um, and even getting it from customers at times. And it's not because they really mean any harm. They're really trying to help you be better. Um, they really are trying to help you see things differently. And sometimes you need someone who gives you a little tough love to make that happen. And then being able to have a safe space as a support group, like a mastermind group, is a great place to bring that back to um, so that sometimes they can help you maybe see that silver lining and also sometimes to bring it back to, to help you noodle on what do I do next? 
Because I think sometimes we know we have to make a change. We get the feedback, but we're not always prepared and sometimes emotionally prepared to bring those two things together and go forward. So it's so great to, to hear that you've you know taken the initiative um, to do that now and used your experience from the past um, to, to make that happen. So as we're wrapping up today's um, interview, I just want to make sure, number one, people can get in touch with you. So either A, if they just want to chit-chat with you about your journey and what you're doing, if they want to talk to you from a business standpoint um, of where you're headed, or maybe want to participate in your documentary or support your documentary um, in the future, where and how should they get in, in touch with you? Definitely. So I'm very, <clears throat> I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you search Andrew Alexander on LinkedIn, um, you'll see me there. My email address is andrew at veganhealthpack.com. So um, my I don't know if my YouTube channel is called Creating a Vegan World. That's the name of the documentary. So if people want to, if they're doing big things like for the vegan world or sustainability like yourself or anyone else watching this, email me. We can schedule an interview and anything along those lines. So LinkedIn or email andrew at veganhealthpack.com. Perfect. And then as we wrap up today's session, do you have any final wisdom, recommendations, or thoughts for anyone out there, whether it's how do they, you know, as they say, soldier forward? Um, because, you know, the world's still a little topsy-turvy right now. And depending on where you are in the world, you know, it can be a little bit um, you know, unsettling right now, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs. So I don't know if you have any words of wisdom, recommendations, or any perspective um, as we all maybe are not done with pivoting yet <laughs> um, mm -hmm. through, you know, what's happening right now. And then obviously not done with pivoting at all because that's a part of the journey. Um, I'm just curious if you have any kind of, you know, thoughts for anyone as we wrap up today's session. I think basically the summary of what I said, where it's just, you learn these things, you do it by gaining experience. So standing in place always keeps you at the bottom of the trail. And even if you fail, like I learned from my past failures, they might've turned into my best successes. So it's always moving forward, not fearing the failure. And the thing that helped me through the hard times where there's been a lot of hard times since I've been doing this since 2013, like I can't even talk about this interview, like there's not enough time, but like the harder the times go, the more faith or confidence you need in your final destination. So yes. whether like you practice law of attraction, you have like your ideal vision of the future when you impact the world with your vegan business and like just you believe that the future is true or just the confidence in yourself and your abilities to make it through the hard times and keep pushing forward. So that faith or confidence, whatever vibes better with you, that's a very important part for what you said. Perfect. Well, thank you. <laughs> Andrew, for your time today. Thanks for your inspiration. Thanks for your tips on YouTube. Um, and also thanks for sharing with us your, your journey. Um, I know sometimes it's not always the easiest thing to let everyone know about kind of the process we've gone through to get to where we are, but it's really great to see, you know, the work that you've done, see the successes that you've had and how you've used that to mold your future. And then also how you've used that to also, you know, as you say, change the world. I mean, I think that's just an amazing thing when we have, you know, marketers in this space, when we have individuals that are really putting their skills and everything out there to make things better, to help people get access to, you know, plant-based foods. And also, like you said before, helping people really be healthy, helping people really make sure they're seizing um, that opportunity to, you know, re 
chart their health future. So thank you so much for spending some time with me and hanging out. And hopefully we get to hang out again. But I hope everyone who has watched this live, thank you so much for joining us. If you watch this as a replay, we love questions. We love comments. If you have any questions for Andrew, I'll make sure that they get over to Andrew as well, but we're really excited to have everyone here. We're really excited to be able to offer this interview series. So thank you for your time. But Andrew, thank you. Thank you so much. This is great catching up with you and great having a chance to learn about your journey and inspire others. Definitely. Thank you so much and helping me push through my comfort zone, my first live interview. So thank you again. Absolutely. Take care, everyone.